Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 66 of the Women Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Deanna Witter. Today, I'm excited to welcome Amber Michkoviak as our featured guest for this episode. Amber serves as the Senior Director of Premium and Membership Development for the Detroit Pistons. Amber shares her remarkable journey with us. After surviving cancer in high school, she went on to play varsity softball at Trine University in Indiana, where she led her team to three conference championships. Her passion for sports opened the door to a career path that has provided her with experiences of delivering amazing memories for fans, impacting the successes of others as a leader, and sharing her love for her work with her beautiful family. I feel an immense pressure to make this career work with two kids at home because I didn't have many examples growing up in this industry of a mom having both, especially in revenue generation. I feel like you could have been one of my only ones. Um, and that leads me to the story that I ruined your pregnancy announcement, but we can get to that. <laughs> but, but I want to be that example for women that don't don't want to give up one to have the other. Yeah. Uh, I just try the best that I can every day to be intentional with my time. And there are some non-negotiables non in each category. And I'm still working hard to create those boundaries for myself. And I'll continue to be a work in progress. All right, Amber, you went to Trine University in Indiana um, to play softball as a collegiate athlete. You know, did being an athlete shape your ultimate college decision? Uh, yes, it was the actually defining factor of going to college. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> what I wanted to do at all, but I knew that I wanted to continue down the path of playing softball. So I was a three-sport athlete in high school, played basketball, volleyball, and softball. And so I knew that the next steps were always going to include one of those sports. You know, I thought it was going to be basketball for a while and softball seemed like the best decision. So um, I decided on trying university to be able to go there and play and help shape that program. Um, but also factoring into my decision, my senior year of high school, um, going into my fall basketball career, I actually got really sick, um, ended up having to have an emergency surgery to remove my appendix and during that time, I went back in to the doctor afterwards and found out that I had actually had a carcinoid tumor in that appendix that was cancer. And so if you're ever going to have cancer, I had the best one. Um, they could just <laughs> remove it. And it was it was gone from me from there. Um, but after that happened, I knew that more so than ever, I wanted to go do things that brought me joy. And one of those was softball and going to play softball and having that part of my college experience. You know, I missed half of my senior year of um, high school basketball. And I just knew that being somewhat close to family, you know, trying was two and a half hours away where my parents could still come watch me play and go to my games and be a part of that experience as well. Um, and then ultimately, you know, I, I go to Trine University, I start playing softball and actually my first semester, um, my 25 year old sister at the time, also diagnosed with cancer and she had breast cancer. And so I was really grateful at the time that I was not too far away. Um, you know, I drove up to her place. She told me we drove to my parents together and being close enough to do those things was really important to me. Um, so she gets through her um, scenario and 
you know, being there for those four years was really incredible. I can't imagine have gone going to a different school or being a part of a different program. You know, we had this mantra, work hard, have fun. And from there, I've been able to take that with me throughout the rest of my career as well and, and take those words and live by them every single day. And I think those experiences that brought me to college helped me do that because you know, promise, you never know what's going to happen in your tomorrow. And so having those words to live by and that all came from trying softball. Wow. I mean, obviously, you and I know each other and our listeners don't know that. So we got to work together in, in Indiana with the Pacers, which we'll get into. But, you know, hearing your story, you know, in, in this format, you know, f- for the first time is is impactful. I mean, you're an athlete, you're in high school, you know, you're you go through this adversity, you find out that you have cancer, you have it removed. Thankfully, you had a good one. And then you have to go into college feeling like you're in a good place. And then your sister goes through it and you're there for your sister, obviously. And you're in a place where you're not too far away. And then you also have, you know, softball that drives you mm-hmm. and motivates you and gives you this sense of joy and probably purpose, you know, in terms of an athlete yes. as well in school. Um, sounds like a, just an overall incredible, um, impactful foundational experience to sort of the life you lead from there, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, parts of that made me have to grow up a little faster. Not that when you're a senior in high school, you're still this child, but I feel like there was an instant maturity that I had to carry and be for about myself of, you know, this is something that happened to me. And although, you know, I recognize there are multiple stories that I've heard from people throughout my career in life that had it much, much worse than me. Um, But it's something that was the framework for how I carry myself uh, moving forward and how I interact with people. And just, you never know what somebody's going through on the back end. And I think that, you know, we'll get into it later about my career and what those things entail. But that is all a part of what shaped me going into college and to now. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And um, you such a positive outlook. And obviously, you've used it in a way that's made you obviously a great person, obviously a great professional. Now, when you were at Trine, you graduated with a bachelor's in business administration and you majored in sports management. So did you have an original vision for the career you wanted to lead with that, with your sports management degree? I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. <laughs> I, I went to Trine to play softball. That, that was what I wanted to do. But obviously, there's not much of a career path for after college for a softball player. So I think I started out in education, or I don't think I did, I did, but I went to my first education class and I went, I didn't figure this out in my first 12 years of school that this was not for me. I am not programmed to be a teacher in in a classroom setting by any sense. So I was talking to a teammate because uh, my advisors were forcing me to select a major. And one of my teammates said, have you explored sports management? You know, I think with your your background and your passion for the games and um, not only that, but to be able to go into the business setting of it, you know, if sports management wasn't ultimately your path, you're going to have the framework from the business classes to be able to go into corporate America in general said, well, that's really interesting. I never thought about that before. And she was kind of explaining to me some of the classes that were part of it. And um, I said, well, I think that that is the path for me. Let's try it and got into some of the program and ultimately realized this is definitely what I want to do. Not only the sports aspect, but just the the marketing classes and the sports psychology classes and, you know, things that have absolutely no uh, reference to what I do today at all, but I was very passionate about at the time. I was like, this is 
definitely the path for me. And as I got um, further along in my career uh, to graduate, I did have to have an internship. So I was able to secure one from a career fair. Uh, one of my professors took us down to a Mad Ants career fair, which at the time I had no idea. We were a group sale. And I met the, <laughs> I met the person with the Pacers, um, who's Peter Dinwiddie, who actually has his own incredible story. Uh, but he, I went up to him at the career fair and he said, well, what is it that you want to do? And I said, well, event planning, because I had no idea what went into a sports team. I had no clue what I was doing. And he actually said, well, I, I know just the person who I need to get you to. And he took my resume and he took it to the uh, vet planner for the premium services department with the Indiana Pacers. And it just blossomed from there. I was able to go down and interview with her. Her and I clicked so well. Um, and I had an internship like none other. And that was what really was the deciding factor for me of this is where I really need to be. And, you know, I had no idea what it went into ticket sales or that all of these people in a corporate setting put five guys on the court um, and what you can do for the community behind that brand. And, you know, the all down to Hooper and, you know, yeah. Boomer and the mascots, right. And all the things that entail a sports team. So that was really deciding framework. I had an incredible experience as an intern and, uh, and ultimately was able to lead that into a full-time opportunity. But I had an internship like none other, planning several member events that summer. And I really had a, Carrie Nagel was my supervisor. Right. I, still, <laughs> I still owe her to this day. She's a wonderful person. And she taught me so much, not only about the business, but truly event planning in general, which has been a big part of my uh, job responsibilities. I've grown in this career as well. So I owe a lot to her too. So your internship really led to your full-time position just out of college. And you started out in inside sales, if I recall, is that right? Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah so you, so when you came back through, you went through the in-sales sales program, which is obviously, you know, most people know, like this is the foundation to many sports careers. So what was that experience like for you? And what did you learn about yourself during that first inside sales, sort of your, your, your inside sales experience? I learned that I'd never wanted to do inside sales. So day to day in an inside sales role is absolutely grueling. So rewinding back to those days uh, for this purpose was, was amazing in my head. Uh, you know, 2009 was when I started. It was the economic downturn. The Colts have just gotten off from a Super Bowl win. And I believe it was 2007 had Peyton Manning. Uh, the Pacers were not at the forefront of discretionary spending. Nope. <laughs> so you have this, this not glamorous position. However, your exact reference in this question, you know, I was able to learn a lot about myself. So one that I still have to carry with me very strongly to this day, and I'm still working through is to not take things personally, especially on the phone um, at that particular time in my career, you know, people weren't hanging up on me, Amber, they were hanging up on the salesperson at the Pacers. And I had to let things go, or I would carry that with me into the next call, or I would lose confidence, or it, would, it could affect my attitude, right? It gets grueling, you make 100 cold calls a day. So you can get down a dark path. And I knew that I had to keep a positive attitude to keep going. And I had to keep that in check. Um, the second part of that was connections are everything. So 
there was four of us that started in that inside sales class. And I relied on my teammates a lot as we were all going through the same thing. So that helped a ton. You know, I still talk to Ashley and Alex somewhat here and there to this day, you know, keep in touch with social media, et cetera. But I also continued to improve my relationships with those sitting in the chairs I wanted to be in. So that was the service team. So picking their brains, volunteering for the events that they had, um, they were putting on, you know, from the premium service side, working with um, those ladies on their concert nights and learning what they had to do to set up the suites and what all went into that. So really utilizing my time and in inside sales to understand what it is I wanted to do next. And then I think the last portion of that would be I learned how to live on $8 an hour with no benefits, right? <laughs> so sometimes you've got to uh, pay your dues a little bit in the sporting industry. Um, you know, I was uh, able to do that and know not everybody is, is privileged in the aspect to be able to go into debt to, <laughs> to start their careers out. But had I not done that, I obviously would not be where I am today. But it's also the, the factor of learning the product knowledge, learning the industry, learning how to sell in general, um, the questions to ask, you know, listening to learn, not listening to react. Um, or listening to push my own agenda on somebody to truly be able to recommend a product um, for that person. So all of that was all encompassing in those days. And I really, truly am so grateful for that experience, even though, you know, most of my memories are, are not that fun. <laughs> I mean, to your point, it was, it is grueling and it's grueling for, with purpose, right? Like it really helps you yeah understand how it's the hardest version of what you're going to do is and and clearly you had some really great key foundational takeaways from your experience um some some like a nightmare but others sound <laughs> like they, they were they were positive you know sort of in return and you know Absolutely. i and, you know and i like sort of your you know especially your opening point of you know when they were saying no they're saying no to the to the person like to the rep from the Pacers, not Amber. And that's a that's the one of the hardest things is that sense of no. I mean, most people who take these jobs are very like you know competitive individuals. Usually come from a sports background. You know, you have this sense where you're always sort of the best. You know, you and then all of a sudden now you're in this very challenging competitive environment, and you have no control. Uh, feels like you have no control of being really great, other than putting in the work. You know. The results, yeah. you know, are going to come down to the other person on the other side of the call interested and, in, you know, in, in the process and what you're trying to provide to them, you know. Yeah. And that's why listening to what the client's needs are is so important in that, mm -hmm. you know, I... I, of course, am very competitive and want to be at the top of the leaderboard. I never do that at the expense of being a good teammate. Right. I want to be the best of the best. So I always want to help my teammates come along as well. But you can't be successful if you're trying to push your own agenda onto someone or trying to push a product that just doesn't make sense for them. And I, and I learned how to do that for someone, you know, maybe a $400 plan is a lot better for that person in the long run. And you can sell them over time as they, their life changes versus, you know, trying to start them out at a $5,000 product immediately. And then they don't renew for the next season. Right. So making right. sure you're finding that path. I think Todd Taylor used to describe it as the dating game of, you know, get married yeah. on date usually right um but i know there's some cases out there but you know really garnering that relationship to the person to ultimately for it to be a marriage you know the first date leads to the second date which leads to the 10 game plan which leads to the full season 
Yeah, absolutely. That was always a good analogy. Thank you for yep. sharing that. Thank you. That's great. That's, no, <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't have to struggle or suffer, and you know, inside sales too long. You know, after six <laughs> months, you got your promotion. And obviously, out of inside sales, there's a number of paths you could have taken. I was actually based on the fact that you said you wanted to be a vet planner. I'm shocked you didn't go group sales, but ultimately, obviously, your internship and service, you know, probably guided this a little bit. But, you know, obviously, and I think I know the answer to this, um, you know, it, did the service path choose you or did you choose the <laughs> service path based on what was open at the time? It chose me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do think that, ironically, it was the first open position. So that did help, of course. I think maybe I could have pursued groups had that been open first. Um, but definitely after my internship premium service, the the service realm of the business was where I felt passionately. I absolutely loved and still love putting a smile on people's faces and being able to impact a memory they will have that forever. Um, I say this a lot, but if I worked for an insurance company or a software company, I would never be able to achieve that impact without the brand of the sports team behind my back. Yeah. So being able to upgrade someone to courtside or inviting them to an event at Larry Bird's house will we'll live on with them forever. And I get to be the one to do that. And only with this brand am I able to achieve those milestones for people. I also love, love, love getting on the phone with someone that is extremely upset and ending the phone call laughing, it truly <laughs> gives me pure joy to be able to change someone's perspective and outlook or simply just solve their issue that they are having and be able to do that for someone. So it's not even all about the memories that we can create, but rather being that setting stone for someone to just have their problem solved, to yeah. make their day a little bit better. Yeah. No, that's a, and that's a powerful thing. You're absolutely right to be able to take a have a conversation with a fan or a member um, who's having a challenge, you know, with their, with their experience, likely it's generally the situation and, and you mm -hmm. being the person that has the ability to listen, which is usually the first thing, and then to <laughs> solve the problem, um, that makes it a better outcome for them. And I've always noticed, I'm sure you notice this too, the relationship you have with the individuals who have problems that you solve are greater than the people who don't ever have problems. You know, that's that? absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. It's the opportunity. Yeah, so the relationship when someone does have an issue, you know, obviously we don't want any members to have issues. However, of course, of course. when you are able to solve something for someone and prove your worth to them as a member experience rep, that makes a complete difference in you recommending an additional product or an upgrade to them later because they have trust in you and they trust that you are doing the right thing for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So you grew with the the Pacers. You came and grew into a senior uh, senior service experience manager. Um, it, you know, the service team. So, you know, what were some of those key takeaways from the foundation of your career there? As you think about those seven years, looking back. Yeah, well, I think about the time that we spent together talking about going to rival high schools, and you also <laughs> got hooked on Sour Patch Kids for Life. So I did. <laughs> those are a couple of things. Um, but as I grew with the Pacers, I knew that if, uh, that leadership was eventually going to be in my future. Uh, it gave me just as much joy to help my teammates succeed as it did assisting my members. Um, I also learned that premium ticketing could be a good path for me someday as well. I enjoyed working with my corporate accounts, finding solutions to their business needs, plus the overall thrill or selling high value inventory just hits a little bit different. 
So those were the two biggest things I felt, you know, leaving the Pacers. These are my two next steps, whether that's in a premium role or a leadership position, this is where I want to go. In 2000, well, 2016, you make a move in your career and you join the New Orleans Saints as a senior ticket service and retention account executive. You know, what motivated this move and how was your experience transitioning from the NBA to the NFL? I have so much gratefulness for this move. My husband works for General Motors. We met in Indianapolis. His job moved him to New Orleans. Mm. I thought my sports career was over. <laughs> I'm looking for jobs down there. I was like, you know, if I if I have to leave the sporting industry, I just need something. And so I was looking for a lot of different things. And uh, I referenced Todd Taylor earlier. He actually reached out to the Saints and Pelicans on my behalf and said, I have this girl that works here. She's coming to New Orleans. What do you have for her essentially? And they created a position for me. Um, they found a need for Saints Club accounts to need a service person. So they have a, at the time, they had a 70,000 person wait list for Saints tickets. It wow. is <laughs> truly a religion. It was so amazing to be a part of. But they found that what they were losing from year to year were those club account holders. So I went down there and took 600 club accounts. Uh, started my calls. Actually, this is one of my favorite stories. On my third day, there are, there are multiple times during the Saints billing cycle that the, the phones just absolutely blow up because there's so many season ticket members and they all call in to make their payments. Or if you're calling people off from the wait list and letting them know that there are seats available, they'll send an email to 5,000 people at a time and those people will all call in. So oh I God. think it was my <laughs> third day of work. And my boss said, I know you have no idea what's going on here yet, but I need to, I need you to help answer the phones. I said, okay, game. I'm in. I answered, it was a half a day, I think 157 phone calls and had like four hours of talk time. Then day it was like 267 phone calls with six hours of talk time. I went home in complete silence thinking to myself, what did I do? <laughs> but ultimately, you know, you did a lot of repeating of yourself, but ultimately, you know, those were just only small fragments of, of time overall, yeah. the Saints uh, time frame that I was there. But it was just hilarious that that is also when I happened to begin, but it gave me the true, like I dove right in, it gave me yeah. the true sentiment too of what the saints meant to new orleans and what they meant to that city and how many people are you know coming from indy and the pacers at the time where i gave you where you know we went to the eastern conference finals a couple of times we definitely had some demand there for a little yeah. bit but nothing like that it was incredible um after about a month of calling through my saints account and introducing myself you know trying to explain to people what i was for them because they had never had that before one of the Pelican service reps took a promotion to the corporate partnerships department and my boss pulled me and said, do you have interest in taking a Pelican's book as well? I said, absolutely. I love the NBA. I want to, you know, be on that side of the book as well. So I stopped at 300 calls for the Saints and I took on 300 Pelican's accounts as well. So <laughs> oh and I got to dive right back into the NBA, which was obviously a little bit more of my uh, niche. Mm -hmm. So I loved being part of both teams, obviously working for an NBA and NFL team at the same time is a little bit different than just working for the NFL team. So I don't feel like I got the true benefit of the NFL, which is the 10 home games because we were working Pelicans games at the same time. But I loved 
being able to get that experience from that side as well, especially in a city like New Orleans who embraces that franchise so much. I mean, they were at the forefront of uh, coming the city's revitalization after Katrina and to be a part of that history there. Um, it was just overall an incredible experience. And I just owe so much to them for taking a chance on me and creating this position for me that ultimately led to being part of both teams. Yeah, no, it, it, it is such a unique experience. Like you mentioned, that, that it's the only team, I think, right? That you can work for both the NBA and NFL team at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. And just the sheer number of accounts. You know, I remember when I went to the, you know, Detroit Lions and I had asked a question, like a service question, like, yeah, there there are thousands and thousands and thousands of members. There's no way. <laughs> like, yes. Because there's just so many, like some of the things yes. that we're used to in the NBA you know, can't be done in the NFL because of just the sheer number of people. Like a seat visit feels impossible. <laughs> you know, yes. like, and that part of it absolutely was impossible. Um, but calling on them and explaining who I was, people, the, the Saints members were so excited to have someone from the Saints calling them, no matter who I was. I got invited to homes for dinner. I, you know, we, I was meeting people for coffee. And well, New Orleans is just so welcoming anyway. Yes. That, so that is the type of people that they are. But I, I couldn't believe the first time I'm out an appointment, I'm like, well, I'm just going to this person's house. <laughs> I hope that I'm safe. And obviously everything was great, but it was just a different, a different perspective. Yeah. Completely the business. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm happy they were able to, to make a role for you and you got that experience. It sounds absolutely incredible. Yeah. After what, about a year and a half with the Saints, you make another move in your career and you move back home to the state of Michigan to join the Detroit Pistons where you are now. Um, to be at, at that point, you were you were being hired to be the manager of premium services and event uh, engagement. So, what inspired this move back to Michigan? My husband again. Um, <laughs> man, those husbands, man. Yeah. Um, so his job brought him back up to Michigan to move more onto the marketing side. In it was a move that was too good of an opportunity to pass up. Right. Even though we love New Orleans so much, I remember just being so sad to leave there. Um, when it came time for this opportunity for my husband, we just could, couldn't turn it down. It made sense to jump on it. So again, my management at the New Orleans Pelicans and Saints reached out to the Pistons and said, this girl is coming. What do you have for her? And at the time, uh, the Pistons were getting ready to have their first game at LCA, um, Little Caesars Arena, for the in October of 2017. So this was July timeframe and they needed someone to service the suite accounts that had been added on from Illich Sports and Entertainment. So we share our arena with the Detroit Red Wings. They knew about for three years that they were going to go into this arena. Uh, the Pistons had 10 months. So right when we announced that we would move down there as well, the suite holders that had purchased for the Red Wings and concerts added on Pistons. So they needed someone to take over that book of business and lo and behold, perfect timing. I kind of came in right at the right time and, and took that over. Um, so again, just so grateful. I've been so fortunate to be, con to continue to be able to move up in the business and continue to grow within sports without it being my, on my time, really. Yeah. Um, you know, we, his my husband's job is is wonderful general motors is a wonderful place to work and we just always follow that path while i'm also still being able to grow and i don't know how things turn out that way sometimes but i'm, <laughs> I'm extremely grateful this also gave me the opportunity to 
add premium to my repertoire. So when I left the, the Pacers, I said leadership or premium, and this gave me that opportunity to take over suite holders and work in a whole nother side of the ticketing run. Um, you know, lease contracts and what their their benefits get is, is so different and their year terms and not owning the building that we were coming into um, and then selling suites that weren't already sold, but for Pistons only. So it was a whole new realm of opportunity for me as well and a whole new learning experience. Yeah, it sounds like an incredible one. And to your point, like <laughs> your career has been so blessed in these opportunities to your point, you know, your opportunity that your husband gets you know, there's this chance that you can move into a market and it won't be an opportunity. And the fact that you've had such great support from your leaders to call on your behalf, you know, is one thing. And two, that there's an opportunity either that can be created or that just happens to be open just says a lot. Like your positiveness, like almost just follows you from market <laughs> to market, which is just absolutely great. You love to hear when good things happen to good people, you know, and I I try to manifest things, (laughs) work on those, you work on that. And, you know, also there was a, I think my husband and I were married for two years when we made this move back to New Orleans. And I think we spent six months of our first two years of our marriage apart. So there was some sacrifice on that end as well, but yes, definitely just reaching out in those connections that I made, you know, I did know my boss at the Pistons that I was coming to work for seven years prior because of the connections that I was able to make throughout the industry, throughout the service roles and the reaching out that I did paid off in the long run because I was able to connect with her and she already knew all about me and my career. So helpful things to help your own manifestation. Yeah. Yeah, the network you had, obviously, yeah, when you hear, you know, Amber, you know, like, oh, yeah, I know Amber. Like, that definitely makes it easier, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Now you've been with the Pistons for almost six years, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. And now you serve as the Senior Director of Premium and Membership Development. So, what all does your role today include? And what have you most enjoyed about growing, developing, and leading with the Pistons? So I currently oversee membership experience, premium experience, and premium sales. So fully staffed, I will oversee about 14 people, including two managers that oversee uh, premium sales and service and then the membership experience team. Um, About two years ago, I created the premium experience department as I saw a need to provide a higher level of service to our highest invested members. And I took over premium sales in July of last year. Uh, We sold out all of our courtside seating and newly innovative courtside suites this past season. So it was amazing to be part of the team to achieve those accolades, as well as we hit the highest revenues uh, the Pistons had seen at LCA this past year. So we were also the worst team in the league. So as you can imagine, the work that we're putting in here and being as innovative as we've been in our premium areas have helped um, that number continue to grow. So, you know, the best part of my job, though, has been the promotions I've been able to give, uh, whether that is someone in inside sales for a service role or providing this the opportunity to a rep to move into a leadership position. That is ultimately the best conversation to have. And honestly, what keeps me going every day, like their success is my success. Mm-hmm. And I really love my current team. I've always hired based on the factor of finding genuinely good people. Uh, I can teach someone to sell or to renew, to learn the products or to manage processes, but I can't teach someone to generally care about their job or the people they are servicing or selling to 
I have a crew of really good hearted individuals right now that are able to celebrate a teammate's success as their own. And that is what contributes to my everyday love of leadership. Yeah, no, you, you couldn't have said it any better. You're absolutely right. I mean, watching, being a part of somebody's growth and providing them with the opportunities of growth is such a gift. And it's a gift that, you know, after you're giving to somebody else, but it is a gift you feel like you're serving to yourself as well, because it, it brings such joy, you know, to be able to provide that and be in a position you know, to provide that for sure. Yes. And for me to be able to lead someone to that position too, you know, you have um, people that come in, say where they want to be in, in their next career move. And sometimes we're able to help them do that within our own team or another team, but for to actually be able to grow someone internally to multiple promotions and to be a part of their journey at such a high level is ultimately why I love my job every day, not to mention the members and all the other, the great things that I get to do, but the people are what this thing keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can't wait to be back in Detroit and uh, see you at a game, hopefully this year. So <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> now, um, in every episode, I love to sort of lean back into past conversations and sort of pick up on the themes of some of those conversations. And one of the ones I wanted to tap in with you is learnings, you know, reflecting back, you know, what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you were starting out? I'm so glad you asked this question. I think that there, this is a plethora of things. And I was really trying to hone in on the biggest one. <laughs> you own your own career. Yeah. You can't wait for someone to take action on your behalf. You have to create the action uh, to create, to get my director role. I created my own job description here. I saw a need with the team. I put it pen to paper. I wrote it together. These are all the things that I can do to help make this department better and ultimately, that is what led me into getting the promotion into this, the director role. There was a time before that when I would wonder when I would get into a leadership role I was looking for. And I did too much waiting and not enough pursuing. It's not going to fall into your lap. Um, as much as I would love to think about all 15 of my employees and what their next steps are all day, every day, and how to get them there, on top of my regular job responsibilities, that just isn't feasible. There's always time for that, but no one thinks about you more than you. Uh, so I teach them all to own their own career. Just tell me where you want to be. What do you think it takes to get there? And I will guide for you, guide you and advocate for you and assist, but I can't create a job or opportunity. I don't know that they want. Um, so I wish I would have had the confidence to realize that a bit earlier and, and maybe know my own worth. Um, but that is something I have learned along the way. If you don't speak up, no one can help you. Yeah, no, that's such great reflection. I mean, I have, that is such a good <laughs> because you're right. I mean, there's a sense that, you know, one of the advices I, I generally give is, you know, knowing who you are and who you want to be is one of the greatest assets you can have. And I say it in yeah. the sense that you're saying it in the sense, like, if you know who, who you want to be. You can share that with your leader and with your peers and your mentors, and they will invest in it. But if you mm -hmm. don't own who you want to be, if you don't own those goals and set your no star, then then it's it's baseless. I can't help somebody who doesn't know where they where they want to go or what they see as an opportunity. And so you're absolutely that ownership part is so so important in terms of growth. And it, and sometimes it takes us longer to figure it out, and that's okay. Uh, but once you do share it, you know, and I think yeah, that's the that's key. And then also you got to own it. Like it's not going to just happen. You have to make it happen. 
Yes. And if you're saying that that is something that you want, you have to put in the work to get there as well. I can help you, but you've got to take the steps. And this doesn't even have to be Amber, I want to be a CRO someday. Okay. Let's figure out how to get you, get you there. It can be, Hey, I want to own this event or I want to own this process, or I want to be a part of this training for inside sales. It doesn't have to be this big, magnificent goal that you have for yourself. It can be one that you want to accomplish in the next six months. And I can help you get there if you tell me that's something that you want to do. Yeah, no, absolutely right. I I love that. I like this part of the conversation. And and I think it reflects also on personal side, especially as women, we, you know, somebody's like, I I think I want to start a family, right? And you're like, you know, can I do that? Well, of course you can. You just have to own your personal life, just like you own your professional life. And then that really leads well into my next question. And what we always talk about on this podcast is about the, the lifestyle that we create, you know, between work and life. And we know it's not a balance. So we'll throw the work-life balance out the windows. We do every episode. It's really about that lifestyle that you create that works for you and the people in your life. So how have you then managed your lifestyle so it works for you and your husband and your two beautiful children? <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I giggled at this because I was it was catching up on the season of your podcast and I was listening to Jessica Bella answer this question and she made me laugh so hard because it was so relatable and <laughs> she said she described her life like the scene in pursuit of happiness yeah when he this part of my life is called running and I have that same sentiment of this is a truly day-by-day initiative in the Mitovic household like my husband and I chat each night about time out the door in the morning and what the next evening looks like. And that's about as far as we get. (laughs) (laughs) There are many times also to be a little bit more vulnerable here that I feel a strong guilt that I am not with my family. And and there are times where I have to balance it out. And there are also other times where I feel strong guilt that I am not working. You know, maybe I missed an event to be home for my oldest son's soccer or whatever that may be. Um, but that that's just the territory. And sometimes we're just going to have to hold that guilt. And, you know, I have to be okay with the fact that as, as someone else said this on your podcast too, like that there are failures and you just have to embrace that. And I feel an immense pressure to make this career work with two kids at home because I didn't have many examples growing up in this industry of a mom having both, especially in revenue generation. I feel like you could have been one of my only ones. Um, <laughs> And that leads me to the story that I ruined your pregnancy announcement, but we can get to that. (laughs) But but I want to be that example for women that don't, don't want to give up one to have the other. Uh, I just try the best that I can every day to be intentional with my time. And there are some non-negotiable, non-negotiables in each category. And I'm still working hard to create those boundaries for myself. And I'll continue to be a work in progress. You know, I'm, I'm not perfect. There's just going to be times where things don't work. But I will say that the first game my oldest son came to was honestly one of the best days of my life. It was like the epitome of everything coming together. Um, it was actually by accident. Is my, my husband was unable to do daycare pickup because he had an appointment, important meeting. So I swooped him up and brought him to the game with me until my husband could come get him. And I rocked the Pacers game and he was on the floor meeting Pacers players as I spoke to old colleagues. Um, but each game he's come to since then, 
um, has been the same sentiment for me. He just loves it so much, has an absolute blast. Like it just brings me true joy to listen to him talk about the Pistons on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. You know, some, a stranger might ask him who his favorite player is. And immediately he will say, Cade Cunningham or, or Isaiah Stewart, and he can name the entire team. He's four years old. Like, That's amazing. I know, that, I, know, I know that he loves this just as much as I do, and I know that he loves me being part of this industry, and so that helps every day. Of He has a true understanding. If I'm not home, he knows what I'm doing is important and that I love it, and I think that's good for him as he grows up to see that. Um, but I also want to thank you for including so many moms in your interviews. Um, you know, as of late, due to your podcast, I've learned about so many additional moms in the industry that I have never <laughs> known existed, especially revenue generating roles who are making it work as well. So it's great to have other people to relate to. Yeah, I just say, I, I think as I've done this podcast, it's not been intentional to look for moms, but there, there just are more moms than we know. And I think it, this part of the podcast is so helpful because it does make everybody seem a little bit more relatable and there's some similarities but there's a lot of differences too and so it's like to your point like there isn't one way to do things and there's no way to be perfect it's just your mm-hmm. way you know and I, I i agree with the sentiment like some days you know it feels like a fail on some days but that means if you failed in one area you're probably winning in another area and yes. so, so hopefully yeah. at the end you have this sort of net positive in both buckets <laughs> yes you know ultimately and i I agree. Like as your kids get older and you're able to share in these experiences, like I don't know what other industries where you get to share in experiences like in sports that it's so meaningful and connecting and to your point, very full circle where, where it gets a little bit more challenging is those beginning days. And I know your youngest is only eight months. And so yeah. you have a four-year-old who's enjoying it and you can share it with, and, and then you have an eight month old where you probably feel a little bit pulled some days. So I'm just curious on how that, that experience is working out for you. <laughs> and, yeah. and- well, I have an amazing husband, you know, he has moved me across the country twice. So (laughs) some of the partnership that we have is now him, you know, doing his, his part of the share, but he is, he is amazing. And he takes care of all the game nights, you know, he puts two kids to bed. And I think that that was a true challenge at first having, you know, I went back after three months this past January. And I think the first couple of game nights trying to navigate who goes to sleep first, who takes the bath first, who do I read to first and I'm sure you have a routine down was difficult, but he got it and truly takes a village, you know, that's so cliche to say, but it does. And I think that that's a common theme amongst a lot of the moms in this industry is that they have that support system in their partners at home. And that's so important. You know, he's, he's a champion for my career. Not a single time has he ever asked me to be home because he couldn't handle two kids alone. He's never asked me to leave my career. He's never asked me to sacrifice anything, quite frankly, um, for our family. He just picks up what I'm unable to do. And it's just a true partnership overall. And that's what makes it work for us. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I'm so happy that, that that's what it, I mean, you, to your point, it seems to be the theme, you know, my husband sacrificed his career, you know, for mm-hmm. the day I'm with our kids, you know, for me to do what I do. Um, and it's really a shared, it's all shared and it's very supportive across the path. Um, and before we move into advice, I, we have to, we have to talk about how you ruined my baby announcement. <laughs> so they, we're going to share this. <laughs> so, so, so obviously, so you and I work together. It was, I'd already announced, I'd already announced I was leaving the Pacers to go to the NBA. 
and we all went we all got together at uh champs was it champs yes it was yeah, yeah. so we're at champs is a big group of us and I think I would like to preface that it was the group sales team in Amber and Amber got invited because of my great relationship with Deanna and it was actually like a team lunch and I intervened. <laughs> I didn't go along. Were you the were you the only one not in groups? I believe so. You yeah. Probably, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I thought Colleen I thought Colleen was there. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Okay. So maybe. there might have been you, it might have been you in a couple ser- service. Okay. So <laughs> we're out to lunch. And I'm leaving. And I think this is, I shape it out to just be like, I'm leaving. You know, I, I want to get everybody together. And I start to speak. And <laughs> I think I, I'm going to tell them something. And before I can get out of my mouth, Amber, what do you say? You're not pregnant, are you? <laughs> I was like, yeah, 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 I'm pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, how did you do that? Like, how did you know this? And then. I, I go to proceed because my news is definitely bigger than just pregnant. You say, are you having twins? I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> You're like a psychic. <laughs> no joke. I, I mean, she tells like, and I was like, yes, that's it. That's my whole announcement. <laughs> you think I would, I'm just the worst. You think I would have learned after I gave away your pregnancy announcement to just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> But you didn't even know you just you just were a good guesser and you're like you were playing like you were on a game show and you had like what a one of million dollars. <laughs> so great. So great. It's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite memories. And you're gonna have to tell that story a hundred times every time we're together. So I I love it. And I'm so happy that I, that that's a part of our our friendship story. It's also my favorite because it's the time frame for for me to remember how old your children are. <laughs> that's right. I remember Ten years ago, I and I heard Deanna's announcement. I love it. I love it. I don't know how we go forward from here. Um. <laughs> All right. So close things up. I always love to end with advice, as you know. So love for you to just share. You know, um, what advice do you have for those looking to grow their careers in this industry that may have started in a summer place that you have? So my first one would be to control your controllables. So there's a lot of things that happen around us all the time that we can't control. You can control how you react to it. And that is a famous quote somewhere. Um, But that is so true in our industry. You know, COVID happens. I was part of the team when there was the lockout. Um, You know, they might raise, the organization might decide to raise prices or we went to mobile ticketing or we moved an arena, you know, all those things that you can't control on your, your daily basis, but you can control your outlook on them. You can't your perspective and how you portray them to the clients and your teammates. Um, Also, those are the simple things in general, like having a positive attitude and working hard, Um, but taking time to own your own development and market yourself. I think as women, we don't do a very good job of marketing ourselves. I think a lot of times you hear about uh, an opportunity. We don't apply for it because we don't have the criteria. What actuality is, you know, we can wrap anything that we're doing around most of the descriptors out there in a job. And we just don't do that for ourselves because we don't want to talk about ourselves. We don't want to brag or make it seem like we're being boastful when in actuality we can start taking credit for some of the things that we're doing. Um, Always take the phone calls. You never know what's on the other side of those, you know, in my case, it's always make the phone calls. <laughs> but um, but the, the last part is just have fun. 
you know, I said that at the beginning of the interview here, like work hard, have fun. We work in sports. And so often we get wrapped up in the fast paced nature of the job. We forget what we do. Um, I've had so many incredible experiences in my career and I really, truly try not to see, take a single one of them for granted. I'm so grateful for not only the memories I've been able to provide others and the members and the clients and the prospects, but also for my own. And that's just appreciating where I get to come to work every day. I think that there was a day our offices were still 35 miles away at the palace when we moved down to LCA for game. So I was driving from the office to the game on a game night. And I remember driving down I-75 to the game thinking, oh my gosh, like I just had this epiphany of like, I still get to do this. I'm driving to an NBA game right now. I still get to be a part of this. And I remember that feeling of just being overwhelmed by the what I was doing, like just yeah. driving to go work an NBA game. And I'm already in year like 12 of it um, at the time this happened. And I just try to take that feeling with me now into year 15 of like, I get to do this every single day. This is not an opportunity other people are afforded. Yeah. I mean, we're so lucky and you're absolutely right. It's always a good time to, there's always a time to reflect and just remind yourself like how, how, how special it is to be able to do what we do every Mm -hmm. single day. Thank you so much, Amber, for joining me on this podcast, for your friendship, for sharing the story, of course, it's always fun. (laughs) And for your incredible insights. It's been incredible to, to share your journey and your story and obviously see you take your career to next levels. Congratulations to you, you so and thank much. you again. Yes. It's been an honor to be amongst all of these women that you've interviewed. Like this is truly a remarkable group of women women, and I honestly can't even believe I'm a part of it. So thank you so much for including me. And that's a wrap on episode 66. Thank you to Amber for sharing her journey and insights with all of us today. As a thank you to Amber, our friends at the Pro Sports Assembly will provide her with a one-year membership for her to join Pro. Pro Sports Assembly is an industry member-led association helping advance equity in pro sports. I want to thank Pro for their incredible support and believing in the mission of this podcast. And I encourage you to visit prosportsassembly.org to learn more about how you can become a member as well. Now to stay connected and to engage with the Women Blazers community, follow us on Instagram at Women Blazers. And be sure to check out our next episode, episode 67, dropping Monday, June 19th. Until next time, have a wonderful day.